welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City FC fans podcast. My name is Simon Craft, and who's with me? As usual, it's me, Ben Aspinall. And nobody else. Uh, so mm. we had guests last couple of episodes, we were very pleased, but it's back to just the two of us today. But we can make yeah. it if we try. We can. A little back to basics, very new Labour 97, you know. Things can only get better. <laughs> yeah, and they could for York City, because uh, we've <laughs> finally won a game. Uh, mm. That's the good news. Bad news is the result may well be expunged if and when South End go bust, which we hope doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's shades of when we beat Chester that season and mm-hmm. then that result was chalked off. Um, so yeah, we're going to be digging into the 3-0 win over South End, which we both attended. And then we are going to be looking at the midweek defeat away at Oldham Athletic, which Ben, as our Northwest correspondent, uh, you were at that one, weren't you? I was there. Um, full disclosure, um, I did miss Oldham's first goal as I got very confused as how to actually get into the stadium. But I have watched it back on the highlights, so I'll be able to uh, take part properly in a discussion regarding the, the full game. Let's start with the with the good news, shall we? Mm-hmm. Good, news and irrele- good news and irrelevant news, I think. <laughs> yeah, let's start with the good news. And then we'll move on to Oldham, which is the irrelevant news. Southend United, obviously club in crisis, but they've been doing okay in terms of results. So mm-hmm. we're expecting quite a tough fixture. I mean, the result doesn't suggest that it was. Obviously, we ran out 3-0 winners, but it was actually quite a tight game, which actually I thought Southend dominated at first. I guess... We should probably start as we tend to by looking at the lineup because uh, mm-hmm. there was a couple of interesting points on that. Um, yeah, I was I was intrigued by the uh, I don't want to say return because they've not actually done it yet, but the reintroduction, shall we say, of the four four two again back to basics. Um, I was reasonably pleased with it. You know, I'd rather get out of the way if we're going to experiment with different formations. Four four two. I think we had the players to do it, and that you know, and that did tell in the end. I was quite happy to see the flare players on the wings there with. Um, Kennedy and Kuya with a workmanlike midfield of Batty and Dyson, supported by the two, or the two only strikers we have at the club who can play football. In terms of the actual reaction to 11, I was very happy with it. I was, um, yeah, I was quite excited to see how it got on. Yeah, so there was just a couple of changes, which was John Lewis came back in after his suspension, basically in place of Castro. Uh, so we, we lost a central midfielder to have two up top. Uh, and the other change was enforced. Callum Howe missed out. Mm-hmm. Latty Fairweather came in at left back and Crooks moved in field. I understand. Yeah, I, mean, it, I was I was a bit worried at first about that. Uh, and then I was extremely worried after the game in the post-match interview when uh, Neil Adley was very happy to disclose that uh, Callum had come down with sickness and diarrhoea. Very much like when your mum would tell your mates why you were off school. <laughs> yeah, I, di- I did enjoy that as well. You You would think that he might just say that there was some illness yeah. issues or something like that. But no, it was... No. It was there front and centre. That he had quite the ru- literally. Yeah. Quite literally. He had the runs, which is a bit ironic given we've struggled with tracking <laughs> the opposition's runs uh, this season. <laughs> so yeah, and mate- our, def- our defence has been as uh, fragile as, t- as a toilet paper, as tissue paper, hasn't it? That's very good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, a makeshift centre back pairing of Cordner and Crooks. Um, and Latifair with a back in at left back who went on to have a fairly decisive impact on the game actually Mm -hmm. but not straight away because I thought the first 20 even 25 minutes was basically all south end I'm not sure we really got out of our own half they were sort of knocking it round 
not necessarily creating clear-cut chances, but they looked well on top at that point. Mm-hmm. They had um, the number eight had a shot that was saved quite comfortably by uh, by Whitley, and there was that awkward um, cross uh, slash shot that the number eleven did across the front of the goal. But you're quite right; there wasn't so much clear-cut chances. It was just worryingly. Not so much the ease, but they were very much on top in terms of that possession, and um, we weren't really able to get you know a football uh, a foothold on the game at that point. So I won't say we were lucky, but um, we, we held fa- we held well. You know, we um, restricted them to half chances. But I agree with you. I think they had some quite tidy players, and no superstars, as it were. Nobody, you know, particularly shone. But I thought they were quite a tidy, tidy eleven. Yeah. So they dominated, but I thought. The positive for us was that we defended quite solidly, which is not something you can say very often. Uh, Mm -hmm. In particular, Batty was sweeping up quite well in front of the defence. But then the opening goal came and it was to us, 26 minutes in. Maz won the ball out on the right, laid it through to Dippo, who laid it off to Thierry Latifairweather about 25 yards out. Now, I don't think anyone in the ground necessarily (laughs) expected what came next, which is that he just lets an absolute screamer into the top right corner uh, with his right foot. Best bit I thought was was the celebration, the very low key sort oh, of yeah. yeah, I do this all the time kind of celebration. <laughs> very much belied the fact that he's a twenty year old left back who's mostly played a few games at National League North or South level. <clears throat> what did you make of the goal? I loved it. Um you don't see as very often for York City. You definitely don't see a left back doing it on his right peg. Um, I loved every aspect of it. I loved the, I can't really be bothered running with this ball. I'll try and pick someone out. So I'm just going to play it into the top corner. I love the aesthetic of the celebration that you mentioned. He tweeted about this, but I loved uh, Fallowfield. I loved Fallowfield running at celebrating players with his hands on his head in just sheer disbelief of what he'd just seen <laughs> on the other wing. Lovely, lovely stuff. I still can't figure out if Lassie Fairworth is right or left footed. Um, I don't think we'll ever know. I think he's probably both footed. It's hard to tell when you watch him both defend and attack from from his position, but he made it even even more confusing by doing that on his right foot. Just so cleanly struck, keeper knew he had no chance. There was absolutely nothing anybody could do about that. It was a fantastic goal. But yeah, that put us one nil up, and I think that was basically our only shot of the first half because it continued in a similar vein, really, with Southend mostly on top. There was one save in particular from Ryan Whitley that I thought we should pick out. Uh, one of their players had been allowed to run through the middle of the pitch far too easily, unfortunately. And then he hit a shot sort of to the top right corner and Whitley just tipped it around the post, uh, which I thought was a very decent save. It was. It was a really good save. Um, it was um, exemplified just how much of a decent shot stopper uh, we expect Whitley to be when he's playing for playing for City. I wouldn't say it was fingertip st- stuff, but he, you know, he got across the goal well, outstretched arm, tips it wide, etc., Really enjoyed it. It's good for his confidence, isn't it? Because he's not he's not had the brightest starts this season, but it was, it was a really good, solid, good, solid save. Really confidence in Stiller. Yeah, and that sort of saw us through to half time, one nil mm-hmm. up. Looked at the possession stats, and it looked as we'd sort of seen it that they'd had the large majority of the possession, most of the mm-hmm. shots. But you know, on the one stat that counted, we were ahead. Do you think uh, Adley was looking towards his bench at this point? Perhaps maybe young Rob Lee, who'd done really well at halftime. Perhaps he could have uh, come on, you know, made a, made a difference in the game. Do you think that was an option to work for Arneal? I don't think he was really troubling the uh, City selection yeah. team, let's put it that way. 
Well, you know what? Fair play to Rob for doing it. It was a. Uh, it's one of the very few occasions I've actually stayed in my seat at halftime and not and I missed out on my halftime uh, refreshments. So, Rob, if you are listening, it was uh, it was well worth staying uh, staying in my seat for. Oh, absolutely, and I'm sure if if you or I had uh, stepped up, our efforts would have been even worse. <laughs> so. Well, you never know, Simon. You well, know, there's a long, long old season ahead of us. Yeah, if you want to see uh, your favourite podcaster, Ben Aspinall, <laughs> stepping up, then uh, please do encourage him to fill in that form. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was the halftime entertainment. And then the second half turned out to be quite entertaining as well. So mm. first point of note was another decent save from Whitley, where Callum Powell had a shot from the left side of the box for Southend. Took a deflection off corner, but Whitley readjusted quite quickly to, again, palm it wide, which didn't necessarily look like an amazing save at the time, but when you watch it back, he has to adjust his position. You know, that could easily... Yeah, I, I agree in. with you. That. It's, it's as good as that palm away in the first half in terms of the athleticism to be able to turn your body weight in a different direction at, at a low, you know, a low angle to do it so so strongly it's it was really really good uh, i thought it was decent at the time and, and I, I agree with you watching it back he's done so well there to, to keep that one out but we were a bit more in it this half i thought we had a mm-hmm. penalty appeal potentially where cross came in from batty and dippo was maybe pulled down in front of goal did you think there was anything yeah to that? as i knew you're going to mention this it was watching it then live and then also watching the um the highlights back i find it very very difficult to tell I don't think it's properly conclusive, so I don't want to say either way. Um, I don't know is the answer to that. Um, and that's why you listen to uh, the same old city for these um, these great conclusions that we that we uh, deduce and come to on our pods. But no, to be serious, I, I couldn't quite work that one out. It was quite end-to-end stuff at this point. You know, it was, it was turning into quite an exciting game. There was one in particular where Maz had a shot from near the penalty spot, which was blocked, and then Southend immediately counter-attacked. And it was Bridge who was bringing it forward again. He just wanted to see some challenges going in as he was sort of walking through our midfield or sort of the gap between our midfield and defence. Lays it off the card well, and it was a decent chance, but it was a bit of a weak shot in the end, that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Um, You can see his position, his body's trying to open himself up to try and put maybe to to Whitley's far left and, you know, the far post curler. Obviously, the technique kind of let him down. But just go back to to Kuya's chance um, when, as you say, he finds himself on a penalty spot. The build-up to that is pretty impressive. There's a fair few players involved in the passing and movement there. The sort of stuff that you you know you really enjoy seeing your side do. You know, really, really good build-up, and uh, you could tell that there was, there was still some life in the game left. Definitely. Yeah, and then that man Lati Fairweather again had another decent <laughs> chance where he had the ball near the corner flag and then basically dribbled around three of their players to get himself clear on goal. But the shot in the end was just a bit too close to the keeper. But it, it was funny because. Every time he'd been getting the ball anywhere near the opposition goal after the opener, obviously everyone shoot, was yeah everyone shoot. was shouting shoot, which was funny because he'd scored from quite far out. So I think what they're insinuating is that it might happen again. But yeah, in this case, it was sort of proving them right that yeah he he sort of looks like he is going to cause danger every time he gets the ball. Mm. His confidence, near. I think, wasn't it from from you know we joke, but the the, the first half goal. He, he felt like that that confidence increased in him to try and take it round three players and beat a goalkeeper at the near post. But as you know, Sai, like that 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 opportunity happened like not in front of us because we we're at the back of the south stand. But that's our section, isn't it? There, and I remember at the time just going, 
<laughs> and it not quite coming off. And had it done so, yeah, oh god, he poor lad would probably end up in the stands in celebration once he would. It should have been something. Yeah, but it is quite admirable that he's sort of got the bravery to do that or to take a shot from 25 yards out because mm-hmm. what all the fans are thinking when he gets the ball near the corner flag beats one man is right stick the ball in the box mm-hmm. and that's not what he did uh, but it nearly paid off he continues to be a slightly confusing player to watch in the <laughs> sense that he's very good at some things maybe not as good at other things or doesn't concentrate as much on other aspects of his game I think we're going to definitely discuss this in a bit more depth during the Oldham, Oldham section, aren't we? Not long after that, there was a fairly key event, which was the first red card of the game. This happened when there was a chip over the top by Cordner, which came through to Dipper, which I thought was a decent ball over the top, actually. I agree. Um, I, you, know, you know Cordner's got it in his locker. You know he can uh, ping or pass a ball from distance. Yeah, so Dipper's sort of running through, bearing down on the area. And he's getting his shirt tugged by Harry Taylor. Um, and then the ref, you know, blows his whistle, marches over, and it's shown a straight red. Now, I was pretty stunned to see that, to be honest. But some other people yeah. said that they maybe expected it. But it it didn't look like the kind of infringement that results in a red card normally to me. I think the thing about that particular moment is it's a strange one because you're going to sound very biased because it benefited the team that, you know, that you support. But the ball over the top from Cordner and the run on by by Dippo. Dippo's very clearly dragged back and it's a, he has been clearly down a goal scoping opportunity. By letter of the law, it's a red card. But because he doesn't go to ground like one would in, you know, top level football, it's interesting because you think before it's not a foul because it doesn't look like he's been he doesn't look like he's been fouled, but he's very clearly impeded. I wouldn't say is there much of a protest from Dippo? You know, he's, I think the arms go up in a little bit of, you know, what can I do and being pulled back. So I think I think the referee gets the right decision. But because you don't see it done that often in that way, you think you kind of doubt it is. I genuinely do think it's a red card. It was clearly outside the area. I don't think we're going to get any uh, Paul Barnes-esque <laughs> look there and get a penalty. But I, I do think it's a red card. I really do. Obviously, we'd seen beforehand some stats about that particular ref and how keen <clears> he is <throat> to dish out cards of both colours. And so it proved. Kai Kennedy picks up a yellow, doesn't he, in the first half for kicking the ball away. Rather nonchalantly, but he does kick the ball away. And he's booked and Ardley and the bench are straight off to tell the players, don't give the referee a reason to book you. So it's really good that our you know game plan did reflect that we need to be careful with regards to um, the laws of the game and this referee because he's clearly going to be very strict about it. Yeah, I noticed that as well with Ardley really sort of having a go at Kennedy because it was quite out of character in terms of how Ardley has been on the touchline otherwise, which is quite supportive, even when we've mm-hmm. you know, made mistakes or been struggling. But yeah, he mentioned it in the post-match interview that yeah, he'd really tried to drill that into players, like don't do anything petty or stupid because this ref is going to book you at any opportunity, which mm-hmm. explains, I guess, why he was so annoyed at Kennedy for doing that. But yeah, not too many minutes after that red card, we go 2-0 up. So Fallfield plays through Saziba, wide right. Should mention that uh, Saziba's come off the bench at this point. And yeah, it's a decent pass, but Saziba sort of finds himself free of any defenders, brings it into even, the box. Even with 10 men, you, you would be disappointed to, to find their, you know, your position's right winger with that much space near the penalty area and then being able to do so. I know there's there's going to be gaps, but I was very, you know, even at the time, and then watching back on the highlights, I was very pleasantly and happily surprised by how much room was afforded to uh, Saziba. 
Yeah, it reminded me of how much room we've given some opponents, unfortunately, <laughs> in the first few games. Um, but yeah, it was maybe just caused by they hadn't quite readjusted their shape after the red or something. Sizib has still got a bit of work to do. He brings it into the box, oh, yeah. puts a low cross in, which Maz tucks away from close range and we're 2-0 up. What was your thoughts on that one? Remember the goal being a bit weird because where we stood, it kind of... Maz, they didn't so much appear from nowhere, but the, there's a huddle of players, isn't there? You, you, you're not certain who's going to be the one to get there first, and he very calmly, uh, you know, side foots, side foots into the net. So it's a lovely goal, uh, really, really good. Um, I was a bit worried at first because I thought Zebo was trying to take his man on needlessly. Maybe the pass would have been on a little bit earlier, but it shows what I know. <laughs> and then only two minutes later, there's another goal. So we win the ball back in our own half. I think it was Dyson watching the highlights back. I don't know whether you pick that one up i can't quite recall i was too busy just absolutely salivating over the uh <laughs> dipo assist yeah so someone wins it back i think it's dyson plays it out to john lewis who hits it out wide to dipo mm-hmm. he's got a you know a couple of players tracking him but hits a very early outside of the boot pass which just falls perfectly for the onrush in Saziba uh, to slot mm-hmm. it home um, it was a lovely goal to watch at the time but yeah watching it back oh, yeah. i mean Dippo tweeted, I think, didn't he, that if Kevin De Bruyne had done something like that, <laughs> they'd be talking about on Match of the Day. And he's not wrong, is he? It's it's a glorious pass. Um, well, it's more than the pass, isn't it? It's a cross. It's a it's an intend, intended cross for Saziba. The, the the vision to do it, you know, the confidence, the know how, the technique. What a player he is! Just how lost we would even be, even more so without Dippo Akinyemi. Just absolutely sensational. And then you know. Further exemplification of the confidence, Saziba, lovely side foot finish through, you know, through the keeper, give him absolutely no chance, some good power behind it, even if it's a side foot. It's a really lovely goal all around. Yeah, and I think on Dippo, I mean, we expected him to be good. We mm-hmm. knew we were signing a goal scorer, sort of a, a big physical presence with a you know mm. cool head in front of goal. We didn't necessarily expect these kind of assists, and obviously he got the assist for the first goal as well so mm. he, he may well end up our top scorer and top assist maker i mean you are praying it's a two-year deal aren't you i mean we don't know we've not been told and fair enough but you're praying it's two years with a you know ridiculous release clause because even if it's just if it's just one year it's like it's, it could and it's it's inverted commas wasted on us not properly pushing for the playoffs or the title etc it would be a real real shame so something to stew over i think yeah, it's going to be, I think however long the deal is, it's going to be hard to hold on to him beyond this season. But yeah, you'd hope mm-hmm. at least if we did lose him, that we get a bit of money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Saziba puts us 3-0 up. Should we mention the chant as well? Oh, to uh, the champs, uh, Tequila. Yeah, yeah, that show, that that it, it happens on again, doesn't it? You know, in the a, in a Shippo or the South Stand of York City, you hear a chant for a player. And it just tickles you. You just laugh thinking, I can't believe I thought of this. And that's what happened with that one. Very, very, very funny. Enjoyed seeing the young lads in the South Stand giving it some welly. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's my current favourite chant. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Arsenal did sing it last season about Saliba, so... I guess it's um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I, I guess know, it's, most chants are recycled, aren't they? So it's, it's absolutely natural. Yeah, and I thought the execution of it was uh, was spot on. So yeah, mm. big fan of that. Hopefully, he's going to you know become a big player for us, and we hear it a lot more often. Uh, oh yeah, 
did see you uh, footage of you DJing, dropping that one in there as well. Mm-hmm. For good reason. It was Saturday night. I had to. The only thing I've got down after the final goal is the second red card. Yeah, uh, it's very, it's going to be very difficult to discuss this, isn't it? Because I'm still unaware of what happened. I mean, there's posts on Red and Blue about something was said to the either the assistant referee or the fourth official. That was, you know, quite expletive, uh, you know, full of expletives by the player who was sent off. No confirmation of that. The person's got no reason to lie, but I don't know for definite. So, I, I, this, but that was one I thought was very bizarre. The first one, it made sense when you thought about it. For the second one, you couldn't, you couldn't really see that, you know, you couldn't really pick up the end of the thread as to what happened. So, no, I think yeah. there'd been a stoppage for quite a while, and then mm. the ref just marched over to a player who he hadn't seemingly had any involvement with. And then, yeah, just pulled out the red. But watching the highlights back, it does seem that he marches out. The ref speaks to the linesman and then immediately comes over mm-hmm. to show the red. So that would kind of tally with the idea that it's something that was said to the linesman. But yeah, 3-0, first win, some lovely goals to enjoy. Happy days. Uh, I mean, I tweeted, so this is what it feels like to win a game. And that's generally <laughs> how, it, how it felt because the, the last one would have been several months ago. Um, Chesterfield? Yeah, I think it probably will be Chesterfield, yeah. To do it in style was, mm. was nice. Looking at the tweet responses that we had, one from uh, sometime same old city guest Will Harris said, mm-hmm. football maths, a plan plus a shape plus players in their correct positions equals confidence. And that bred today's result. Pleased for Cordner and Whitley, who took a fair bit of stick on socials recently, both excellent. Yeah, I think it, it was nice to get a clean sheet as well. And Whitley That was did. A, the cherry, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the clean sheet and the, the good saves by Whitley. Oh, yeah. I don't very nicely. I thought it was Whitley's best performance so far this season, definitely. Mm-hmm. So there was one from Andrew Barden, which said, I will keep saying this, there's a good team in there. Today wasn't mm-hmm. easy and we had the rub of the green, but the first win was always going to be that way. Great to get that under the belt. Thought to a man, we were superb. Good management, changes at the right time etc i mean that's another good point so yeah thank you for that reminder there we'd not seen substitutes make such a good impact you know for york city for quite a while i think that was one of morton's bigger flaws um you know not knowing when to make that change and it's quite a fine art isn't it and i think on saturday with the changes that hardly made um you know saziba is quite an obvious one but um i think he got absolutely spot on and uh, that was another you know with with the with the win with the clean sheet, etc. I was uh, seeing the subs come on and do well was uh, was another great positive. Yeah, I thought Saziba brought a lot of energy, particularly mm. running at 10 men. It really made a difference. And Hurst as well came on for a bit of a cameo and, and looked quite lively. One final tweet from Teaching John. I'm just glad the South Standers told Lati Fairweather to shoot. <laughs> so yeah, on this particular occasion, that was the correct advice. But yeah, sum, summing up that game... I think maybe the 3-0 result puts a bit of a gloss on it in terms mm-hmm. of you can forget that they were well on top first half and that they did go down to 10 and then ultimately nine men. But and also same... don't forget the incomplete subspench as well. It was it was a team very much winning on fumes and held together by tape. It was, but at the same time, I thought it was far and away our best performance of the season. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, maybe a bit more even than the scoreline suggests, but... Give, give special praise to Batty as well. Um, and I'm saying to you at the time, I was waxing lyrical about him. I thought he was fantastic. A, a very, very assured and calm and 
just reliable central midfield display, something we've probably not seen. I said probably since the since the first in, in, incarnation of Russ Penn, and that's what ten years ago now. So yeah. to have that, I, I thought he was sensational on Saturday. Yeah, I think he got man of the match, didn't he? And I definitely did, yeah. agree that was deserved. Because when we did go four four two, the worry with that is always that you've only got two centre mids. If the opposition mm-hmm. are playing with three, are you just going to get outnumbered? And yeah, so it really relies on on the those two centre mids putting in a shift. And Batty definitely did that. And yeah, I thought he was our best player. And we're starting to see what kind of qualities he's going to bring to the team. So first win out of the way, and then three days later, a trip across to Oldham to look forward to. Who? Oh yeah. In the interim, uh, managed to sack their manager David Unsworth. Mm-hmm. who'd been coming under a bit of pressure. I think looking ahead to this one, it seemed like two sides who'd been struggling, but maybe we'd just turned the corner in time was the way I was hoping it would go. That's exactly what I was thinking pretty much as well. Um, you know, I'm thinking we've made that turn. We're doing a back-to-basics 4-4-2 and the players knew, the, knew their role. But also, they've sacked their manager. There's not enough time to get a full appointment in. As an interim coach. I think it was the head of recruitment was, was running training. You're thinking the head's going to go. So I thought the ingredients were there for a, a positive display and a positive result. Like I say, you made the journey across, didn't you? I mm-hmm. think from what you've said, it's not maybe in a way that you enjoy a huge amount. No, it's not. Uh, we decided to go into, into Manchester for this one and have a few drinks uh, on Victoria before getting a taxi. It, it's it's just not a great awake day experience. There's no great pubs near the ground. We had our last pint in the Premier Inn next door because that had a bar and you thought, this kind of happened, you know, we're one to talk. We've got a bowling alley next to our, next to our stadium. So I realise, you know, I am in a very big glass house when I say this, but that's a new build on, a, you know, retail, as I say, outside of town. There's just like a, you know, a stadium they've been in for however long it is, you know, decades, century, what have you. Got the Royal Oldham Hospital nearby, et cetera. It's quite populated quite well. There's no, there's, no, there's nothing else around there. And the transport links aren't great either. So it's just, same as Rochdale, it's not in a way that I particularly enjoy for the uh, social aspect, unfortunately. It's just very much get in, get the game watched and get out again. And unfortunately, the, uh, the get in aspect of it seemed to be a bit challenging because you were texting me <laughs> after kickoff um, saying that you still hadn't managed to be admitted. No, so we hadn't. Ha- uh, the, the frustration was because I was using the entrance that we used for the way end last year under the, uh, the dying days of web. Uh, and we got there, as I say, just after kickoff tried to get in that same way and we're told by Stuart and they have to go use the other home and uh, the other way entrance right round his housing estate back on the main road etc it was an absolute pain more for me for not knowing the uh, entrance I should be using but I just presumed it was the same as last year I had no reason to think it was different so for that reason I didn't get into about 10 past 10, 10 minutes into the game and therefore I missed missed the first goal I'm assuming you could hear what had oh, happened yeah. now, that's also one of football's worst feelings when you're not in the ground but you can hear the opposition score yeah, absolutely. And like I mentioned, I was watching this one on a stream uh, mm-hmm. with the Oldham commentary team, which was slightly de- depressing experience, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, it made more depressing by the fact that about 10 seconds after I managed to get it working, Oldham scored. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I think you've watched it back, haven't you? Yeah. It's kind of a, a, a hoof upfield, and it's mm-hmm. Crooks who misses a header, which... Sort of happens again, doesn't it? So so Crooks is kept yeah. kept in the side, even though Howe's back fit, because obviously Crooks and Cordner had done well at the weekend. So he retains his place. But yeah, misses this header. And then Willoughby's got it out near the touchline. 
I think Latty Fairweather sort of leaves it or doesn't yeah, do enough. Yeah, he should be doing better there. Much, much better, unfortunately. So there's a couple of errors leading up to it, but it gets passed through to Joe Nuttall, who kind of dinks it into the corner, but it is a very decent finish, to be fair. I think so. But also, um, I want to comment, he manages to outmuscle, uh, outstrengthen Dyson, you know, in the penalty area to get the shot away. It's quite impressive attack play, to be honest with you. Not going to blame Dyson for anything, anything for it. It's more, I noticed how he was able to, you know, shield that ball using his body away from the de- defender. That was Dyson. That was uh, that was pretty impressive. And a very, very assured far post finish. Yeah. But when I was watching at the time, I kind of thought, okay, yeah, that's a pretty decent bit of attacking play. But watching the highlights back, there were a couple of errors in the lead up, which I think Ardley did mention as well when he was analysing it after the game. But yeah, we're 1-0 down after six minutes. Not the ideal start. Oldham sort of kept coming at us after that. Is that how you saw it in the ground? Yeah, a little bit of that. You've got the batty slip, haven't you? That allows um, Kitchen, the uh, former loney under Jackie, to get an opportunity. But he kind of fires it over the bar rather harmlessly. But then after a while, something strange kind of, ha- kind of happened. And I think the plan that worked so well against uh, Southend at the weekend started to come back into uh, into play. We were trying to play out from the back, trying to keep it calm. There's some assured, you know, on the ball play, kind of trying to draw out the front Oldham six to try and find the room behind. Batty was always floating about, trying to find that space. Others were as tenacious, unfortunately, but you could just about see the uh, the genesis of what I believe is uh, Adley Ball. Yeah, I think Oldham, like I said, did dominate the first half of the first half. And mm-hmm. Nuttall had a couple of other shots, one from distance that was sort of saved low down by Whitley as well. But then mm-hmm. the second half of the first half, I thought, yeah, we grew into the game. And by the end of it, we were well on top and unfortunate not to be level, really. Yeah. I think so. There weren't any so much clear-cut chances, but we were we were passing it around nicely, trying to probe and trying to you know prod and see where if there was any weak underbelly to this Oldham defence. I was quite confident as the half went on. I thought we were starting to get into a bit of a groove. I liked the way that Hurst, who had come into the side um, for Kennedy, I liked the way he was playing. I thought Maz was up to his usual tricky, tricky self, and uh, Batty's kind of picked up where he left off. I think you know in in terms of that um, roaming central midfielder there to relieve the defence. So I, I thought we were starting to go into the game uh, as as the first half wore on. Maybe it's one of those classic cliches of um, the halftime whistle coming at the uh, at the wrong time because I think we were starting to get better and better as it went on. Yeah, you mentioned Hurst. So he was sort of the only change to the team from Southend, came in for Kennedy. But yeah, we had a few half chances. I think probably the best chance was, again, Latty Fairweather had... I think it was too, yeah. He had a shot deflected wide and that was kind of just following on from Hurst hitting a shot sort of across the face of goal or cross shot mm-hmm. possibly. But at that point, I thought we were well on top. Like I say, I thought a goal was probably coming. I think I messaged you at half time. If we keep playing this way, we'll score. Yeah. But that didn't actually happen, did it? <clears throat> no. Um, uh, I, I think I saw somebody on Twitter remark how... They felt we were unlucky after the second half. I don't want to jump ahead, but I think we were much worse second half. Whatever momentum we built up in the first, we just kind of like, you know, uh, dissipate. I think we did not play well enough at all in the second half. We tried to do the same thing again, you know, the keep the ball, try and beat the press, and we just weren't good enough at all at any point in the second half, unfortunately. Yeah, I think uh, first half we... I was, disapp- I, w- I was disappointed to see Saziba come on for Hurst, which I know sounds very harsh considering Saziba's impact at the weekend. It's more... I think Hurst, was doing, Hurst and Kuya were doing quite well in their wide roles. They were tucking inside, they were causing problems, both of them. 
So I can only presume it was a fitness issue for Hurst. You know, he's not played many minutes. That is a complete guess on my part, though. I, I do have to be honest. But I remember at the time being a little bit disappointed about that one. I thought Siziba did make an impact a little bit. Um, there was one where he broke through and tried to set Dippo up, which was sort of another vague penalty shout, but possibly more in hope than expectation. But yeah, it got a bit scrappy second half, really, from both teams, which probably favoured them, obviously being in the lead and... It felt like we were imposing ourselves on the game first half. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of petered out a bit. I'm not entirely sure why, but we did still have a couple of chances. We had one where Cordner brought the ball up from defence and played it through to Maz, who shot wide. And he appeared to have quite a lot of space and quite a lot of the goal to aim at. So he was in distance. So I'm not going to say he should have done better, but there was quite a big, uh, a big old gap of the goal there to aim at. So I was a little bit disappointed at the time, but I don't want to be too harsh on, on Maz for that. After that, Oldham started to have a few decent chances themselves. I think, did mm. they hit the post at one point? They did, yeah. They did. At number 22 for them. It runs through. A lot of power on him. Right, he just manages to hit the post. Got a bit of a heart and mouth moment when that happened, for sure. And then they headed just wide from the resulting corner. Mm-hmm. And then there was another header from, again, Nuttall, who caused us quite a few problems, which was sort mm. of a looping header that... Whitley was just kind of rooted to the spot, but luckily it was just a little bit too high and wide. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm thinking, okay, it's 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 falling away from us a bit this game. We need to either change something or just hope for a bit of luck, which, like I say, was unfortunate when we'd looked pretty decent first half. I'm not going to say anything, Daft, like we played really well in the first half, because I don't think on the whole we did, but I could see what we were trying to do. I could see a game plan, and I quite liked it. And then to see it not really come off in the second half was so frustrating because, well, I've seen us do it, lads. Come on. You were doing this literally half an hour ago and you're doing it better than this. And that's just a frustration. When, when they tease you of doing it and then don't maintain it, always very, very annoying. Yeah. I still thought we had a decent chance of sneaking a point until 10 minutes from the end. Uh, there's another long ball forward. And again, Crooks misses a header. I think this one is a worse error. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Um yeah, I don't want to be too, too harsh on on Crooksy because I think he'd done well stepping into central defence with with Cordner in these two games on the whole. But from where he was uh, in sat in the away end, and that ball comes in and it bounces over the, both Crooks and the attacker, my interpretation of it was not so much that Crooks got out out muscled. I think he thinks the bounce is stronger than it is, and the pace is is faster than it is. He thinks it's going to go through to Whitley, so he kind of lets the bounce happen. He lets play might go on when he maybe should have intervened or been stronger on the ball but um, it's a great finish from the lad the striker there and he puts it right through uh, Whitley I don't yes. think Whitley's got a chance with that because it's such strength so it's again it's it's one of them where we kind of thought had we turned the corner so soon under Adley with regards to these little small individual errors that are costing his goals and costing his games and I'm very sad to say as it, as it came to pass in this particular game we conceded two goals from two, you know, individual errors, and it's just very, very frustrating. Yeah. So it's Alex Reed who who scores a goal for them. I think. Yes. I don't want to dwell too much on this particular goal, but is there an argument that Cordner should be doing better to sweep up behind Crooks as well because he's not actually marking anyone. He just kind of trots along, looking as if he's expecting Crooks to win the header. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about um, Cordner's involvement in the goal. So that's a good question. I'd really have to think about that a little bit more, to be honest with you, because I, I, I wasn't looking at Cordner from where we were. I wasn't thinking about his involvement in the play. Perhaps he should be sweeping up, but maybe he thinks 
the matter's going to be dealt with by crooks and maybe he's not thinking of that uh, of being an insurance policy. It's yeah. something I have to give a bit more thought to. But yeah, that was the main last action of the game, really. It sort of fizzled out a bit from there. And then uh, a bit of levity was added at the end when the uh, Oldham commentary team managed to leave their microphone on after the uh, <laughs> game had finished. So we were treated to the uh, dulcet northwestern tones saying, oh, can you just grab that power pack, Jeff? And things <laughs> like that, which... Uh, which sort of added insult to injury, really. But um... also on a personal level, um, their full-time celebration music is uh, just can't get enough by Depeche Mode. So I, I, they were clearly personally trolling me, you know, weren't they, by playing my favorite band after beating my team? So I assume I, I, will, I remember that. That's the only logical explanation. Just to mention the Oldham commentary team, actually, the what they kept saying that they were surprised how well Oldham were playing, <laughs> and that this was far better than Oldham had played previously in the right. season that maybe you know the shackles were off now that the manager's yeah. gone and so on so as much as i think it was there were disappointing things i think we weren't necessarily that good against south end and we weren't necessarily that bad against oldham i think there were two a- fairly even games where the key things went for us in one case and against us in the other i think that's a very fair reflection on the two games i think it's that you know as i mentioned earlier i do think it's the genesis of Adley ball I could see what he's trying to do at Oldham. I was a fan of it. I can see online there's been some sort. There's been a lot of discussion regarding it. Uh, there was some very strange shouts in the away end on Tuesday night when the back five, along with Batty, trying to beat the press, were passing amongst themselves, probing, trying to find that space, you know, to uh, to break through uh, Oldham. A lot of uh, people are saying, "Yo, get rid of it. You know, hoof it. Get it up to the strikers." And it's like. That's not how we're going to play under Ardley. We're going to be playing like this now. We're going to be trying to find the, the little gaps. And it's not always going to work because it's Division 5 football. And, you know, they're not going to succeed in trying to find those gaps every time. But I could I could see what they were trying to do. And if, if that's how Ardley wants to play, then I'm I'm looking forward to it. Because I, I like watching York City on the ball, trying to control the, the tempo of the game. And I think they made a half-decent start at doing so in these two games where Adley's probably had a good go at the players. And it's only going to get better from there. We know we're going to, there's going to be some players going out, hopefully some players coming in. And once um, Adley gets the men that he wants, I think that's when uh, we'll really start to see the style of play take off for York City. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I think the key thing you said there is you could see what they were trying to do. Yes. Even in that defeat, you know, you could see a game plan, whereas there was a couple of games where we did get a draw under Martin, where... There were sort of good things happening, bad things happening, but it was there was no cohesiveness to it. You couldn't tell what the logic was of the system we were trying to play. And I think that's the difference is, yeah, you can see the green shoots of a system coming through, but maybe, yeah, still plenty to work on as well. Just to look at the, the tweets in response to this game. So I tweeted that I thought we played well in spells, but couldn't find the final ball or get Dippo involved enough. Uh, mm. Frustrating to still concede sloppy goals like the second, but we do at least look to have a game plan. There's quite a range of views on this one. One from J286, who said, exactly like you said, some really nice build-up play, lacking in the final ball. We look like a team with a plan and an identity now. Need more options off the bench, bringing in a quality centre-forward to push dips slash LJL, an absolute must. I mm-hmm. did think it was one of John Lewis's poorer games. On Tuesday night, I thought he slowed our play down at times and 
in fairness to him, he he linked up well with Dippo on Saturday. But I, I do think having some competition would probably benefit us. It's also two games in four days thing, isn't it? Where he's he's getting on a bit now. I mean, he's younger than both of us, but he is in footballing terms getting on a bit now. So you do wonder what type of striker Adley would like to go for, you know, to to go with Dippo and to let John Lewis have a have a bit of a rest. Another tweet from Chris C. He said it's going to be a long season stood near people who shout forward and hit it long every three <laughs> seconds. We didn't move the ball quickly enough, but the alternative isn't to just whack it. Same people who shout hit it long are the ones that moan when we misplace long passes. But then there were some contrasting views to that. So there's one from Yorkie09 that says, Rubbish. No potency <laughs> in the final third. Lax and poor at the back. Players need to sharpen up and stop needing that extra touch. Siziba looked good. That wasn't all bad. But yeah, I've seen a, a quite wildly differing reactions to this game. Like I say, I didn't it didn't worry me too much. It was frustrating because I thought we might suddenly go on a bit of a run now that we've got our first win. Build start mm. to build a bit of momentum. Maybe we've got further to go than we thought. But like you say, there was still the evidence that Adley's having an impact already. Mm-hmm. Just going on to a couple of questions that I wanted to cover. Adley's mentioned, well, he's mentioned the squad being too big and us needing to move players out, but also that we're short in a couple of key positions. What sort of reinforcements do you think are still needed for the squad if we're going to start getting a few more wins? I think uh, everybody knows that we, I think we do need left back. We've talked a lot about Lati Fairweather tonight and there's so much potential in there. And with some good coaching from uh, Adley and Cox, then hopefully it can come to fruition. But in the here and the now, I think we need a left back that kind of puts together um, Crooks' defensive now, but also Lati Fairweather's attacking uh, mindset. So I think we need to find someone in that position and also, yeah, another striker. Uh, I don't know if we need like a young loney or uh, an old wiser head. If either one I'd, I'd, I'd take at the moment, really, just to give a bit of variety up front because Dippo's played every minute of, you know, I think he's played every minute of the season so far. I mean, I, yeah, he, he won't be able to do it for the entire duration. He deserves a bit of a rest. He deserves to be replaced with um, with a game one, etc. So another striker would be good. M- maybe I'm not so certain about central midfield because of the return of Woodyard. But then again, you're asking him to get up to scratch straight away next to Batty, where you assume next to Batty. So it's hard to it's hard to say for definite. But I think striker and left back are the two two urgent urgent ones at the moment. Yeah, I think certainly if we're going to be playing two up front then we need to have at least some cover who can play there. I mean, you mentioned to give Dippo a rest, but certainly to give John Lewis a rest, given, oh, yeah, yeah. given his age. I mean, even last season, he was struggling to play every game, really. And obviously, we've got different attacking players who can play wide in a three and so on, but yeah, not really mm. any any other out-and-out forwards. Yeah, the only other question I wanted to ask was, basically, it struck me as I was watching the Oldham game, it's sort of the weather's getting a bit colder, the nights are drawing in. It doesn't feel like it's summer anymore. You know, it's not the start of the season anymore. It's a few games in. Well, we're 10 games in, aren't we? And then mm-hmm. we've got a, quite a few games coming thick and fast. Yeah, by the time we've played Bromley in just over two weeks, we've played five more games, so that'll be 15 games in, which is basically a third of the way through the season. We're starting to maybe see the league table be a bit more of a reflection of how it's going to be at the end. We've sort of thought, yeah. oh, these first few weeks were free hit. Oh, we're figuring out, you know, the new squad. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, oh, Adley's having time to bed in. But then are we just going to suddenly get halfway through the season and we're still struggling? 
you know, what what's a realistic goal for this season at this point? Are the playoffs out of reach already? Is the promotion train fully off the rails or can it be recovered? Well, the title's gone. Uh, that's, that's absolutely fine. It's annoying, but it's fine. Listen, we were in the bottom two in 2013. Finished one spot higher than the bottom playoff place. So it's doable. All we need and, to do is and, just sign a future England international goalkeeper then. <laughs> well, you know, Ryan's still got a few years ahead of him. But um, I think until we're out, then we'll keep, you know, pushing for it. Um, that goal per game average needed is going to get bigger and bigger. I think uh, more and more people are starting to say it's just going to be a bit of a mid-table, mediocre finish this year. And then if Ugla's still got the appetite and the bank balance, then we uh, really push for next year, which uh, I guess makes sense. But I guess we kind of all talked ourselves up into a bit of a frenzy, didn't we, with some of the signings we made. So, yeah, I'm not going to say, you know, the playoffs, I think, are still are still there to be to be gotten to. I'm not going to say never about that. But we need some new signings in the right places and we need one or two players to just step up a bit more. Yeah, we've got a couple of games coming up this week against Fairly tricky looking opposition. So on mm. Saturday, we've got a uh, lunchtime kickoff away at Woking, uh, which is going to be live on proper telly mm. on uh, TNT Sports. And then we've got Barnet at home on Tuesday evening. So I think you've yeah. got uh, both those sides' recent results in front of you, and it's not looking promising for us, is it? No, it's it's not looking great. I guess anything you can say about Woking is we've been something of a... Of a a bogey side for them when we've been in the same division, but that's going to count for naught when it comes uh, comes up on Saturday. They're in decent form. They've got um, a range of goal scorers. It's not going to be easy. I think they're I think they're sixth at the moment, fifth or sixth. Um, and then on Tuesday, Barnet, they're third. It's two shockers of fixtures to be honest with you. And you just hope the recovery from Oldham has been quick enough that they're going to react well in training, and Adley can get some more ideas drilled into them. We've seen what they can do. At the moment, with Adley Ball after a few training sessions, hopefully with some more routines practiced, we, we, you know, we we should we can be strong for uh, the Woking. Yeah, although weirdly, it's two sides that we did the double over last season. That's very true, actually. Yes. So hopefully we'll we'll do something similar this time. But yeah, I don't think either of us are travelling to Woking, but I'm assuming we'll be uh, tuning in on TV. Um, yep, I'll be watching that at home. I'll be watching that at the comfort of my own home. I don't have to leave the country for that one. The, the helicopter is very much in the hangar for that one. I don't need to be in international waters to to watch. So, very much looking forward to watching uh, York City, um, you know, conspire to defeat in stunning high definition for my own city. That's nice that your uh, personal pilot will be able to have a, a day off. He will this Saturday, and then Barnet. I'll be there at the RNR Tuesday night. Is that one you're going to try and get across to, or? I'm going to try and get across for that one. Yep, Tuesday night fixtures under lights. Um, as you mentioned, it's getting darker. It's getting colder. It's going to be it's going to be jackets going to start turning into coats. Why have you got a grin on your face when you're describing all this? Is it's, that what you want a, in a uh, in a autumn? Autumn is a magical time of year, and I won't be I won't be told otherwise. Fair enough. But yeah, I think that's uh, that about wraps up this week's look at current events. Thanks for all your feedback, in particular on the retro episode we brought out about the 3-0 will at Old Trafford. And I think, yeah, it's worked pretty well. We're going to carry on putting the retro stuff out by itself yep. as, as standalones. So we'll, we'll bring out the the regular episodes weekly and then we'll bring out the retro stuff sort of alongside it. Not every week, probably about every other week. 
Yeah. Um, but we, we do have a bit of a special one coming up as well. Uh, we do. We managed to track down somebody who was involved in the fiction, didn't we, Si? And we had a bit of a quick phone call with him. Got yeah. some questions asked. It was, we were very lucky to get hold of him because he was uh, his diary was very busy. He was a uh, chocky block, his diary, wasn't it? So it was, it was very difficult to pin him down. But we did yeah. we managed to uh, manage to get a quick phone call with him, record it. And uh, it was very enjoyable. We we're really excited to share that one with you. So uh, keep, an eye on, keep an eye on your podcast feeds and you'll be seeing that in a few days' time. Yeah, so that will be our first interview. And yeah, it's another Old Trafford-related one. So excited to share that with you. Um, but yeah, if you've not listened to the to the Old Trafford episode we've already brought out, I would definitely recommend it. It was one we're quite proud of. Had Will Harris on, who was reliving it, having been there on the night, which was uh, a lot of fun. Holding yeah. um, court with his in a kebab van. Yeah, the, uh, what I took from that. Yeah, it's just been nice, sort of uh, all the celebrations of the the anniversary that's been happening mm-hmm. and so on. Every year it comes around. It's just nice to be reminded of when we did something decent. <laughs> As always, appreciate all the listens. If you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, it's a big help. And don't forget, you can uh, follow us on all the relevant social media channels on Instagram and on Twitter slash. X, we are same old city pod. Until we start um, charging for it. Well, you know, that's when we start launch, launching a Patreon, so we can't possibly lose. But yeah, I think that's about it from us this week. Um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for the next retro installment. But yeah, until next time, keep the faith. Yeah.